Hello, this is another episode of Luna Poetry Shorts. I'm Lizzie Palmer and today I am joined by the lovely Molly Rifkin. Hello Molly. Hello. Uh, so as usual, by way of introduction, uh, we will start with a poem please. Alright, so I have um, this poem for you. When I wrote it, I actually didn't know it was a poem. Um, so I'll just, I'll explain afterwards, but it's just sort of subjective truths, some truths that I know in my life. Um, are super real. (laughs) Okay, so. I don't know where I'm going or what the future will bring, but that doesn't slow it down, the not knowing. I know one can never truly belong in a culture outside of her own. I know most of us are fairly oblivious and I don't trust people who have all the answers. I know how it feels to oppress only listening to voices deemed credible, blinders in place, could not see past my ambitions. I know how it feels to be oppressed. Voice too female, illogical, and jumbled to be heard, have been body without voice. I know mornings bring hope, and nights hold me close, wrapping me in sadness and telling me I can't I know people are always talking about mental health, but I I doubt they really know what it means. I've, I've wandered far enough outside my mind to know fear is the only real threat on this earth. I know children are drops of water falling freely, and our systems of education are the cement sidewalks they collide with. Sun sets still me and so does the moon. I know loneliness makes me restless, and you'd probably be terrified if you knew how many of my fantasies you occupy. Expectations, rules, tightly wound meetings, and judgments deflate me completely. I don't know how people thrive in those environments, but I've met them. They do. Knowing how to talk about something and truly understanding it often exists at opposite ends of the universe. I don't, I don't understand money. It's a prison everyone wants to be in. Money distorts reality and I don't even know if it's real, like everything. Lies, identities, borders, they're all agreements. Money too. What if we all just disagreed? I'm scared too, though, because I have to fit into the system to survive her. So it seems, and it gets harder when I start to see the bars surrounding me. I know we have to search for the parts of our minds that oppress us, and they are almost always hiding behind reasonable explanations. I know laughter connects people. And I want to eat yours for breakfast. I know fantasies aren't real, but after a good one, I can't tell the difference. I know I am small and unimportant, but my mind and heart beat like drums. I know what longing feels like, deep and wide, unyielding and mythical. It turns the impossible into a maze, and I am lost in it daily. 
I know a smile can change a moment, and a moment can change a day. I know depression is a lie we keep telling ourselves, and sometimes I don't know how to stop. Knowledge is an addiction, and it does not calm a needing a heart. I know I am enough, and you are enough. I know how it feels to sleep alone, night after night, dreams holding me, not you. I know infrastructure matters for transportation and the general ease of living, and so does light, eating fresh foods, and compliments. I know it's not that simple, but it's also not as difficult as we're making it. See, I know time is the only true answer, but we forgot to ask the question. Beautiful. Thanks very much. Oh, thank you. I love the thought of eating someone's laughter for breakfast. Lovely <laughs> 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 image. Um, so, hello, Molly. How are you? Oh, I'm well, thank you. Good. It's lovely to have you. Um, so, my first question is why poetry? It's funny. Um, I'm not sort of a natural someone who came to poetry early in life and it was never my dream to be a writer. Um, I sort of chose poetry, well it wasn't really a choice, it was just I had my first massive emotional heartbreak basically and I had all this emotion just living in my body and I didn't, it came out in writing and I just, it was a bit of it was a bit of a compulsion and I didn't even know it was poetry or some of it wasn't poetry, it was prose, but it was, I wrote so much. So I guess just to process, poetry to process, yeah. <laughs> which I mean, that's pretty cliche, but in the end. <laughs> it's true though for a lot of us, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so how long is it that you have actually been writing poetry? Hmm. I think I actually started writing two years ago like just writing um, and I started calling it poetry well maybe three years I probably started calling it poetry about two years ago mm. so I mean obviously that's not a very long time but um, have you sort of in that time thought about what the main influence has been over your development as a writer and performer yeah absolutely um, so I was, I was sort of in this oh I don't even know what to call it like emotional tailspin for a long time and at um at that time I also discovered YouTube American Slam Poetry and I had this sort of like internal dilemma going on and and um I didn't know how to deal with it and I was seeing people just on the internet who were voicing what I was feeling out loud in the most beautiful way and I thought like it made me like I'm not alone in these feelings and it gave me like a community that wasn't I didn't even know but in words, which is kind of what writing does, reading writing does for people. A, a lot of people bring solidarity. And so the um, American Slam Poets like, influenced my writing hugely. Mm. Um, I, I actually was like borderline obsessed with it all the time, just so much, so much slam poetry. Yeah. I can see that come across in your performance actually, I think you, you do carry that off really well. It's a style I really like. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah, definitely. And also um, influence just, you know, your perspective influences your writing and a lot of um, sort of aspects in my 
perspective came from from feminism, from American feminist and Amer- feminism and American um, feminist thinkers and writers. And I, I mean, I want to give a shout out to Annie DeFranco because um, she has been huge for me for ten years, and she's an American sort of folk artist, feminist icon, legend, amazing woman. Um, and any time when I can't really find my voice or how to walk through the world if I listen to a little Ani, I feel like I'm back on my feet again. Yeah. (laughs) Lovely. Um, On that note, we'll have a second poem, please. Okay, cool. I want to talk about this one a little because it's it's collaborative poetry. I worked for a youth program last summer with um, Iraqi kids, which will be repeated in the poem, but I um, wrote some poetry with them. And most of these words are my words, but some of them, a few lines in the poem, are actually the kids' words. And so, um, just for Ali and and Jafar, I just want to give a little shout for them so that they... I don't know. It's not all me. (laughs) Definitely not. These kids influence this poem big time. They are this poem. Um, So anyways, summer youth program. Iraqi teenagers in America on a leadership program. In the rolling green hills of rural Vermont, we build understanding out of snap judgments and stereotypes. I teach a spoken word poetry workshop. I want to give my students a voice. Know how lonely it can be without one. Iraqi kids in America for leadership, you ask? Yes, the juxtaposition is glaring. It's like asking the abusive father for advice on empowerment. It's a lesson in complexity on every shade of gray between black and white. A lesson in defying the tired endless song of the media, voice rising and falling, hitting every note, always the same. Hijab, terrorist. Brown skin, terrorist. Middle East, terrorist. Jafar is a poet, has a phone full of poems, is waterfall, fountain, words gush from him. He calls his desert warscape home a scalding hell. Says, my lost soul isn't useless, you just don't know where lost is. Noli, all gentle smiles and courtesy, leaves the group to write his poem needs space for his thoughts to expand and swirl around him quivers as he shares the tears start slowly then gain momentum cascading down his face he will never hear her sing-song voice again she will never tell him good night will never be a grandmother we all hold hands electricity connecting us giving Noli a space for his shattered heart. Lava. Stunning, brilliant, bright-eyed, and brave, tells the group, sometimes the only gift she has left to give are her tears, and they are always the worst gift. We tell her no. Tears come from the heart. It's never wrong when your heart splashes down your face for for all the world to see. Ali. Ali loves rock and roll and death metal. Shakes when he hears loud noises. Gets really low sometimes. Can't always see the bright side. 
says, born in a graveyard, adopted by sin, I exterminate evil that's living within. The future has ended before it's begun, says, I don't mind dying because I'm already dead. Pray for the living. I'll live in your head. When we have finished sharing our poetry, Noli is still a shipwreck sinking. Stars fall from his eyes. His body silently quivers like a stubborn leaf in a windstorm. The other boys surround him, lifting him onto their shoulders and bouncing him into the air. His tears turn to butterflies and float away. Giggles erupt from him, coursing around us in waves. We all drift back to the larger group, hearts clean from sharing. These teenagers aren't taking this life for granted. Thank you. Could you tell us a little bit about your writing process? Oh, my writing process is just mass chaos. It's, <laughs> it's no structure, it's no rules, it's just... Um, I think maybe since I don't come from a literary or poetry background and I just... It's just brain vomit. <laughs> it usually starts with an emotion, a massive sort of even tension in my body, and then I sit down and I give the emotion words and whatever it is I don't limit it in any way just write it all out and then I pick out the parts that make sense because a lot of it doesn't make sense (laughs) (laughs) and actually um, a lot of my writing comes from dreams which sounds odd but in so so is oh well it is but um for instance I've been sharing a poem recently that um, I have an acquaintance that I see now and then, and I had a really vivid dream about sort of him having an eating disorder, and I don't know if it's true, but I felt like there was something in my reality that wanted a voice, and so I wrote a poem for it, and I don't even know if it's true, but yeah, I'm sort of my process is off the wall and yes. anywhere it goes is how I write poetry. That's, that's a good enough answer. <laughs> um, so how long have you been performing um, and what impact, if any, has this had on your writing? Okay, so um, I performed for the first time mm, like a year and a half ago, but it was only a couple of times. I was living in Ukraine. I did the U.S. Peace Corps, which is a volunteer program where U.S. sends off, I don't know, college graduates around the world to mostly third world countries to to do service. And I went into it very sort of idealistic and came out of it a bit wiser, (laughs) I hope. Um, A bit more understand how things work in the world, I hope. Um, But anyways, while I was in Ukraine, my aunt, who lives here in London, invited me to come visit. And I had been watching all these YouTube videos, and I I had like one goal in mind, like I'm going to find some spoken word poetry. I need to, I need to do this. And I didn't realize how much goes into performance, and I didn't realize that people practice and they memorize their poems, and it's actually a lot of work and like massively difficult. So I went just to an open mic with my paper, didn't know about anything really. Went up, had the worst 
worst, worst, like, stage fright ever, just standing there. I actually blacked out half the performance in my mind, don't Mm -hmm. even know what happened. But do you remember just, like, shaking like a leaf, like the paper going nuts? Yeah, Um, I think we've all had that experience. Yeah! A bit of a shock when you you realise that it's not just people sitting around reading off bits of paper. Yeah, uh, oh my god. As okay as that is, (laughs) it can be really frightening. I had no idea. Yeah. Um... But afterwards, I had really nice feedback. People said, like, oh, you stumbled over words, but it didn't really matter. We connected with your work, and it made me realize, like, oh, I can do this. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but but I can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, since then, I came to London and have been performing, trying to at least once a week do an open mic. And I still, like, I'm really inconsistent in my performances. Sometimes it goes well, sometimes it's crap. Um, Depends on my mood. (laughs) I walk in confident, things go well usually. Um, I don't know, but... Oh, what was the question? Sorry, I got um, lost. So just, has that had any impact on your writing? Oh, on my writing. Um, it surprised me that something that I write could be something... I felt like it turned into something else when I set it out to an audience and then people took it into and processed it in their experience. And it was actually really surprising to me that just like something that comes out of my... just head could actually be something yeah does that make sense I yes don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like what what is this <laughs> no that's great um could we have a third and final poem please yes you can I like to say before I talk about or before I do this poem I never really know if it how it's going to go over and sometimes it goes over well and sometimes it doesn't because um, it's a feminist poem, and I know it's bad to alienate large groups of sort of undefi- a large undefined demographic men in this case. Um, and so I guess I just like, I want to say it's something that I needed to write, and I didn't write it to offend people, and I didn't write it to make people feel uncomfortable. And so I hope, I don't know, it was like my release. Yeah, so. I say give it a go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would. And also, I'll just put a little, I guess I'm putting a little trigger warning on it. Yeah. Yeah, so here we go. The patriarchy's reach is wide. Little girl I am, I could hardly know the half of it. But I've tasted enough misogyny to burn my tongue. Even after the women's movements left America equal. Equal like... Your voice rings a little too hysterical, too piercing shriek, nails on chalkboard, alarm siren loud, to be taken seriously. Equal like, what is your body for if it's not fulfilling his desires? If it's not hourglass shaped? If it's not empty void for him to fill? He'll add life, he'll make you real. Equal like every other woman is an enemy in a fight to the death for his attention. Equal like he rapes you, he assaults you, we won't put you on trial as long as you stay silent. Don't you know safety is only for men, justice is only for men. Equal like every woman's body has a price tag.
Forgive me. I must have forgotten. Didn't ask for permission. Ideas block stacking themselves into new creations. Thought I was soul. Not just body. Not just question mark. Not pastime, not end rhyme, not storyline. Thought the blood flooding through my veins made me human. Thought the ideas exploding into my mind made me worthy. Thought the future spiraling from my fingertips made me equal. Thought the love radiating from my being made me human, woman, human. No. Wrong, incorrect, woman, broken cup, used condom, disposable plastic woman, woman whose purpose is to please, to silently wash away the crimson mess he leaves behind, calling it love, to be looked at, to validate, to show emotion, to hide emotion, to become a willing object, joyfully embracing the stigma attached, to detach self from body, to blindly, inadvertently, disassemble soul, to leave no room for self. What self? Broken cup, used condom, disposable plastic woman. Buy a new one. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so, final two questions. Um, first of which is, how would you like to see your writing progress? Oh, that's actually really... I was glad when, when that question came up um, when you sent it over because cause then I had to think about it. I'm like, yeah. Um, I want to go more deeply into what is true. I want to learn to be... I feel like I'm right on the edge of being really, really, really honest in my writing. and but it needs to be more nuanced because I, there's definitely parts I'm missing. So I want to like go through the layers of sort of the indoctrination that comes in through school and media and, and nationalistic wherever you live and get deeper into what, into real life experience and what is actually true. Like I want really honest, nuanced, just deeply real poetry is what I'm going for. And I'm, I'm working towards it, but I'm, I know I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, it's surprisingly difficult to tell the truth, isn't it, when you're doing something creative? Obviously, Massively. Obviously, you, you do need to embellish it a bit, but, mm. you know, thinking about whether or not the core truth, as it were, is coming out is... Oh, absolutely. I th yeah, I think about that a lot myself. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's that's a good aim, <laughs> good aim to have. Yeah. So I've been taking these um, every now and then. I'll go for a writing workshop, and I've gotten some really good advice from people. Like for a while, it was even with this last poem, the feminist poem that I just did. Like I wondered, like what's okay to say? Like mm. what's okay to speak out loud? And I've had some support through just these groups that I've been in, and like we're, you can say anything you want, which. I mean, isn't always the, not every, well, free speech, yes, but don't be a bigot. And I'm like, how, I just, I don't want to go too far in any direction, but yeah. at the same time, I want to be able to speak my truth. How do you be honest without, you know, 
Yeah. Where does it fit in without offending everybody? <laughs> That's like the ultimate question. Yeah. And I feel like as females, we probably take that into consideration, like, massively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, yeah, final question. Have you got any recommendations for our listeners? Uh, so things that you might have read or seen or heard recently um, that you think they should go out and an experience um and as we always say this doesn't have to be specifically to do with poetry hmm. it can be anything that you've enjoyed oh nice okay um, silence found a tongue <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> go see that that's open. a given go see that open mic night <laughs> it's massive <laughs> um i do i i'm thinking in terms of poetry because really what i've been doing mostly is poetry yeah. I, um so some good open mic nights that i like um Boxed in is really cool, and um, it's at the end of the month um, in in Shoreditch. Jaudience is also in Shoreditch, and it's an open mic, and there's all sorts of like really cool talent, and it's not like one kind of poetry, which I guess most open mics are like this. So there's a lot of sort of like different voices and different styles, which is cool. Um, Hammer and Tongue, I do a lot of their whatever they're putting on or like their open mics. I like to go and see. Sometimes I read, sometimes I just want to be in a poetry space. And so I recommend that to people who want to be in poetry spaces. Um, I just got my hands on Joelle Taylor's book, uh, The Woman Who Was Not There. And Joelle Taylor is an incredible poet. So I recommend either seeing her or reading her book or she has YouTube videos, whatever you want to do. Um, let's see. Inga Musio is one of my heroes. She wrote a book called Cunt, A Declaration of Independence, and it's basically a love letter to anyone who has a vagina, metaphorically or physically. (laughs) Physically. (laughs) So, um, I don't know if you're ever... Everyone should read it. Men should read it, too. Um, If you can catch Selena Godin, she puts on a great show. She's, She's awesome. She's fabulous. And she's generally just a really nice person. Um, and I'm going to say this because I'm, I have written the first draft of a memoir about my experience in Ukraine as a Peace Corps volunteer and sort of the process I went through. And though it is not published, if you want to read it I, and send me your email address, I'll send you a copy of the manuscript at whatever stage of editing it is in. So if you're pedantic, I suggest... Well, just skip it. <laughs> but if you're interested, I'm happy to share. Definitely. And as far as like music, like I, I can't really tell you to listen to Annie DeFranco enough because she's amazing. Um, I guess I kind of like American folk music. So Brandy Carlisle, Des is a really cool rapper in Minnesota, and she's not like hugely famous, but she has a lot of really cool things to say. So. Um, and basically, like listen to women's music and read women's books and and listen to women's poetry because whether we know it or not, a lot of the voices that are coming into to our heads are, are male voices just because that's who gets published more. And even in school curriculums, if you check who wrote most of the books on your curriculum, oh, I just said, well, on your curriculum, it's going to be men. So sometimes you have to work for it, but m- try to understand and hear the woman, woman female voice feel that or hear the female voice that's my advice for for listening or watching anything lovely <laughs> thank you very much um yep so that was molly rifkin thanks very much molly it's been oh, delightful thank you for having me uh, thank you everybody for listening <laughs>